Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. As you know, we, we celebrate our 20-year anniversary. Uh, I was five years old when I started. Um, so just two weeks ago, 20 years, uh, my wife and I started. We had just been married for one year and uh, took on this crazy thing. And, um, you know, we had an amazing uh, celebration two weeks ago. We had uh, about 1,200 people at our campus. Uh, and uh, I see great things for you. And you get the amazing benefit. We started our church uh, with about 90 people in a cafeteria of an elementary school. And uh, most of those folks are still there. And um, you, you have an amazing head start here. And you get to be on the ground floor. You get to build this foundation. And there is no limit to what God can do. And I want to just encourage you to stay committed, stay faithful, stay excited. Uh, this community needs this church. I mean, that's why, that's why we felt it was time to do this. And so we're excited to be with you today. And, and I want to just speak about legacy. Everybody say legacy. All, all the young people say amen. Got a few of you. All the old people say amen. I don't know why older people are always happier to say amen than younger people. Uh, but whether you're young or old, it's never uh, too early and never too late to think about your legacy. And uh, that's what the series is about, and that's what I want to share with you today. So if you are willing to hear from God this morning, uh, would you one more time just lift your hands towards heaven? Everybody, if you're able to, just lift your hands. This is a symbol of surrender. It's a symbol of openness. It's a symbol of attention. And so if you're willing to just allow God to speak to you this morning, just lift your hands and let's just pray together. Jesus, we thank you for the awesome privilege we have to come together. Thank you, God, for all that you're doing in this campus. Thank you, God, for the amazing plans you have for this group. Thank you for the great impact, Lord, that you want to create in this community. Thank you for the chance we have to be a part of your kingdom. Thank you for the opportunity you've given us, Lord, even though we're unqualified, even though we're unworthy, even though we're not good enough, God, you still give us a chance to have an impact. And we just thank you for the opportunity to be part of this movement, part of this kingdom work. And I just pray your blessing, Lord, upon everyone here today. I pray that you'd speak to our hearts today, that we may receive what you have for us, and that we would be better off because we came today. And for all the amazing things you have planned for all of us, we give you praise. We declare this in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody shout in Jesus' name. I'm going to give God a big, big praise. Big, big praise. Amen. And you may be seated. I want to just share with you a little bit about legacy, and I want to start with the importance of belonging to a church that has a plan that really makes a difference. And so when you think of legacy, when you think what legacy is about, uh, I want to begin with a little bit of history, if you, if you just indulge me for a few minutes, on why Lighthouse Church started, why 20 years ago we felt the need, the desire, uh, the call of God to, to really do this work. And so the reason why... Our church started 20 years ago is we wanted to have uh, or to create uh, and to make a transformational experience available or accessible to everyone. Uh, we, we grew up in a church that had an amazing move of God. Every service was awesome. 
and, and uh, there was uh, healing, and there was uh, manifestation of the power of God, and great worship, great music. It was great. The problem was that it was only for church people. Like, if you were not a church person, that really wasn't for you. Because if you look different, we look at you weird. Uh, and so from the, before you set foot inside, you're like, I don't belong here. I don't look like these folks. And so as much as our church was really good, if you were not from church, you were not really welcome at church. So it was like church for the church people. It, it was kind of like a salt shaker, you know, like all the salt is cool inside the salt shaker. But the whole point is like you're supposed to come out and sprinkle and make a difference. And, and so this is like everybody in the salt shaker having church. But if you were not in the salt shaker, you were not welcome to come to church. Uh, and, and if you would, and if you didn't look like us, uh, we let you know. Uh, and so we, we, wanted to, we wanted to make a church that was able to provide a transformational experience and to make it accessible to anybody that would come to our doors. And so we believe in a spiritual rebirth. We believe that it is the will of God for all of us to have a chance to start over regardless of your mistakes and your failures. Anybody thankful that God gives you a chance to hit that reset button and start all over again? And we said, no, we, we got to invite people to come and give them a chance to have this rebirth which gives you purpose. Because if you don't have purpose, you're just waking up in the morning with nothing to do, no plan, no idea, just a routine and life gets boring and life gets dull. But when you are able to really get into a, an awareness of what God does in your life you have this purpose you wake up with a smile on your face because there's something for you to do and so we wanted people to have a chance to have a spiritual rebirth in their life and as they do that as people are born again as people are baptized in Jesus name for the forgiveness of their sins as people get this new lease on life we wanted to make sure as a pastor that we would equip and that we would challenge every member of our church to become a better version of themselves can I remind you this morning, it is not just the will of God for you to be saved and go to heaven. If all he wanted was for you to be saved and go to heaven, we would baptize you in Jesus' name and you come out of the water and you die. That would have been easier, right? You have no chance to mess up. You're baptized, you're cleansed, you're forgiven, and you're dying. Right into heaven, do not pass go, do not collect, you just go right in. But the reason why you and I didn't die after we gave our, our lives to Christ is because God has a purpose for our lives. And, and, and Jesus says that we're supposed to be the light of the world. There's supposed to be something about the way you and I live our lives that causes people to say, what do you have? How, how come you're smiling in the midst of trouble? How come you're not falling apart in the midst of turmoil? How, how, how come you're not all depressed even though there's problems? In you? How, how are you still standing in the midst of trouble? The world ought to notice there's something about the way. There, there'll be something about your joy and something about your peace and something about your strength that attracts the people that are in darkness to say, wait a minute, what do you have? And whatever it is, I need that. So it is the will of God. For us not solely to be saved and, and, and cleansed of our sins, but to live a life. And so therefore, as a pastor, myself, Pastor Josh, our job is to equip you and to challenge every single one of you to become a better version of yourselves. Because if we're honest, we all have a really good version of ourselves. And we all have seen a really bad version of ourselves. Have you ever seen a bad version of yourself? Like you're all saved and sanctified and someone messes you like the ghetto comes out. You're like, whoa. I thought that was under the blood and you kind of came out. Like, And have you ever amazed yourself? Have you had like a really good spiritual moment? 
You're like, wow. It's like, where's some water? I can walk on top of it right now. You can feel the halo forming. And so we all know we have it in us, right? I've seen both. I'm versatile. I can be a good Christian, but you caught me off in the freeway. You'll see a whole different side. We all have it in us. And so the challenge is how can we become the better version of ourselves? You'll never get rid of your flesh. You'll never get rid of the bad side. It'll always be there, but you can keep it under wraps. And so the challenge to our church, and the reason why we started Lighthouse, was so that we can do all these things, equip and challenge our members to become a better version of themselves so that ultimately they can live their best life possible. And that's where the light shines. That's what's attractive to the world. Because let, let, me, let me say this, the world might not understand the move of God. The world, the world might not understand, you know, at work, you know, I'm an accountant. And so at work, I meet people, you know, from all over the country. And, uh, and they meet me and they're like, there's something about you. I'm like, what do you mean? I don't know, there's like, this, like, like an energy. <laughs> there's like, you got this, like this vibe, like this really cool vibe. Like, the, like this really nice vibe. It's the Holy Spirit. They just don't know it. <laughs> they don't know what it is. They just know there's, there's, there's something. About, anybody ever had, anybody ever felt, anybody got that? Like there's, there's something, about, I can't quite pinpoint, there's just something, you're different. See, they, they don't know what it is. But they recognize there's something, there's, there's light, there's something different. And that, it's hard to do that when you're miserable. That's why I have a problem with Christians that are jerks. Don't be a Christian and a jerk. Those shouldn't go together. Like, like if you're a Christian and no one at work wants to talk to you, you got, you got some things to work on. If you're a Christian and you're the biggest gossip in the office, that's a problem. We're supposed to be saved and be light. And so the challenge to the church is how can we be the best version of ourselves so that we can then live our best life possible. Lighthouse Church started with that goal. And through that process, it is our desire and our goal to, to, to create a church, to build a church that is known for some key things. We want a church that is known for being a loving and supportive community. I believe you have the here today, amen? A loving and supportive. In other words, we love you before we judge you. Let me say that again. We love you before we judge you. Let God do the judging. He's better at it. So, so a loving and supporting community that, that we can be guided by the highest principles, ethics, and integrity, doing the right thing for the right reason. I, I think we have that as a church. To, to be driven by a spirit of excellence, whether we're new, whether we're in this building, whether it's not our building or a school. Uh, isn't it amazing how, how this team, and, and by the way, all of you who are part of the dream team here at church, can we give all the dream team a hand? You guys do an amazing job, an amazing job. I, I, know, it's a, I know it's a high school, but can we make it into the house of God on Sunday mornings? Can we make it feel like a place where God can do some great things? That's the work of a dream team, and if you are in the dream team, Congratulations, you're doing a great thing. If you're not on the dream team, finish growth track and sign up. A spirit of excellence. Because if you're faithful in the little things, God will place you over greater things. So before we can be praying for that big, beautiful building of our own, we got to do a good job in this rented space. Amen? 
faithful in the little things. So a spirit of excellence that we would pursue God's presence, God's transformative presence, that, that every service that, that we have in this place, that we can attract the presence of God, that we can worship with reckless abandon, that we can lift our hands. It's okay to be a, a little noisy at church. Now, I have a problem with quiet Christians. Because raise your hand. If you were a really good sinner, raise your hand. You were a really good sinner. Oh, don't, 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 don't get all sanctified on me now. Uh, I'm talking to somebody that used to party, like, damn it, like, you'd be on top of the table. <laughs> eh, eh. You were the life of the party, and you were loud, and you were obnoxious, and, and then you get saved, and you're like, <laughs> you don't have to stop dancing, just switch partners, just, you know, get, get in. So it's okay to be a little loud at church. Everybody shout Amen. Look, folks, we're in San Diego. Our sports teams are horrible. You got to cheer for something. All the repressed, sad Charger fans, come on. This is your chance to get a big shout unto God because with God, you never lose. To pursue God's transformative presence. To, to not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation. It's okay to be a little. It's okay to be happy. Sue me. I'm happy. I'm blessed. I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm happy. God is so good. And when we get to come together, can, can I just tell you, by the way, you have an amazing worship team. You have an amazing band. You have a great worship leader. I've, just on this, I've known Joe for a long time. Can I give you a little clue? If you see him sweating... It's because you all are not worshiping enough. <laughs> so don't bring him a towel. Lift your hands and worship. Little amen here and a little clap here and a little hallelujah here. It's all right. Is that, is that okay? Are we still a Pentecostal apostolic church? Yeah. All right. Don't, don't forget that. Now, all in all, leading people to Christ. A Christ that is awesome. A Christ that is loving. A Christ that is fun. It's cool to come to church and have a good time. I love going to church. It's fun. I know I'm the pastor, but it's still fun. I I'm sorry I'm not, I'm not depressed. I'm not anxious. I'm not like mean. I I'm just happy to come to church. That's what a good, healthy church does for you. So this is the legacy of our church. This is what we want our church to be known for. This is, this is the message. This is the reputation we want our church to have. It is awesome to be in a church where this can happen. But, but what, I, what I want to really talk to you about today is not just the legacy of the church. I want to talk about your personal legacy. Your personal legacy. Your life. The way you and I live our life. So let me just define personal legacy for you. Your personal legacy is more than simply this, this statement about how you wish to be remembered. After you pass on, it is something that enriches your life and reveals you and what your life is about. Everybody say legacy. It's kind of what you want to be remembered for. And um, if you're young, it's not too early to think about your legacy because you're building the foundation for it. If you're middle-aged, well, I would call that halftime. And halftime, and again, that's kind of where you kind of step back and Look at what's working, what's not working. You make some adjustments so you can win in the second half. And if you're already old, all you said amen earlier, all the old people, uh, you're in the third quarter. If you're in your 40 to 60s or you're in the fourth quarter, if you're over 60, uh, some of you might already be in overtime. Uh, but it's still, 
as long as the game's still going on, you still have a chance to win. And how many know that you win in the second half? You win in the second half. And so even if you're old, it's not too late to do something about your legacy. And I was reminded of this because, raise your hand if you've heard of the Nobel Peace Prize. Anybody heard of the Nobel Peace Prize? Probably the most prestigious award a person can get, right? It is named after Alfred Nobel. Alfred Nobel was a, a very uh, successful businessman. He was a, a, a chemist, he was a scientist. And um, he had over 350 inventions to his name in the mid-1800s. The most famous of his inventions was dynamite. He invented dynamite, which initially was used primarily for good industrial purposes. It was used for mining. It was used to create you know, railroad tunnels and so forth. It was, it was very effective and a lot more controllable and safe than previous versions of, of it. Uh, and, and so he patents that. And, and so it all starts well, but... It didn't take long before dynamite was began to be used in weapons, as you can imagine. And throughout the mid-1800s and late-1800s, this dynamite was used by so many weapons, used in so many wars all across Europe, and it killed thousands, if not millions, of people. And so something that began with a good intent was eventually used for warfare and was the reason why thousands and thousands and thousands of people died. As Alfred Nobel's getting older, he had a brother that was also uh, a very successful businessman. And uh, Alfred Nobel's brother passed away. And when his brother passed away, a newspaper in France mistakenly did an obituary for Alfred, not his brother. So his brother had died, not him. But they wrote the obituary for Alfred. And the title of the article was, The Merchant of Death is Dead. And it went to talk about how his invention was responsible for all these people dying. And when he read, he was so impacted by his legacy that he decided that he would take all of his fortune that he had amassed through mostly weapons and munitions. And he would use all that wealth, millions and millions and millions at the time, to create prices that rather than peddle death, prices that would celebrate anything that would perpetuate and enhance the human experience. And so to this day, every year they, they give six awards, six Nobel Prizes, one for literature, one for economics, one for physics, one for, one for chemistry, uh, one for medicine. And then the biggest one, the best known, is the Nobel Peace Prize. If you get a Nobel Peace Prize, that is the most prestigious award you can get in the world. And if you don't know, if you knew nothing about Alfred Nobel, you would think he was a big-time pacifist. That's not true. What happened was he got a chance to read his obituary before he was dead. And he said to himself, that is not the legacy I want to be remembered by. I'm going to do something about it. This morning, I want you to think about your legacy today. What would you be known for? What would you be reminded about? What impact have we had in this world? Can I remind us all of us this morning that life, you only get one. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is it. 
How are we living our lives? And are we doing everything intentional so that we can live our lives in a way that we can be remembered for making a difference and making the world a better place? Can I remind you this morning that your life matters? Your life matters. Everything you say and do is a deposit into your legacy. Our legacy, think of it, of it as, a, as a bank account. Anything good you do, it's a deposit into your legacy. Any bad or negative or sinful or mean or hateful thing you do is a withdrawal from your legacy. It puts you in the red. And I don't know today how many of us are in the red or in the black. But you know how it feels. Anybody ever had, I don't want you to say amen because it's embarrassing, but uh, if you ever had, <laughs> have you ever gone to the ATM and put in your car and pray? Pray that that check didn't go through yet. Pray that you won't get that dreaded message of insufficient funds. Right? You're hoping because it's tight. And I remember when I was younger and a college student starving and boy, you know, that account went up and down a lot. I, I would pray and I would be anxious to go to the ATM. I would pray and I declare in Jesus' name right now by the authority vested in me as a son of God. I pray right now, Lord, open up the windows of heaven right now. Pour something. Pour. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Yes! 20 bucks. Some of us are doing that with our legacy right now. What is, are you comfortable that your legacy today is far more positive than negative. As a husband, as a father, as a mother, as a son or daughter of God, wh what does it show? What does it look like? And that's why we need to think about this because otherwise our life is busy. Ra raise your hand if you're busy. Right? We're all busy, right? We're running around, we're working, we're chasing things, we got kids going on, and uh, you got all these activities, all, all these distractions going on, and we, we never pause just to think about what is our life? Yesterday, I, I had the opportunity to speak at a funeral. Uh, this young lady started visiting a church. Her father, father passed away, and I, I didn't know him, but she, she said, you know, my family's not saved, but can you come? And, and I, I got to speak to a, a room full of unbelievers. It was awesome. And I largely spoke about this, talking about sometimes it takes a funeral of somebody else to make you think about your own. We're so busy, right? We're, so, we're just running. We're like a hamster on a, on a wheel. We're just going, going. We don't have time to think. And so today, I just want you to stop for a little bit and think about the purpose for which God might have placed you on this earth at this time. Your legacy is more than passing down your valuables. It's really passing down your values. It's not about inheritance for money or cars or what you're going to leave your house a house to your kid no it's more about your what values are you passing down to your kid what values are you leaving behind you and so as you think about your legacy the challenge and the goal for all of us is to to live a life that will help others spiritually intellectually physically financially and relationally, to live a life that serves as an example of what an exception, a truly exceptional life looks like.
after all, we're supposed to be light. After all, we're supposed to be salt. Change agents in this world. We're supposed to leave the world a better place because we're here and because God's in us. And so you think about in this definition, if you notice, legacy is really all about what you do for other people. If you've ever been to a cemetery, if you look at the tombstones, you'll never see a selfish thing engraved in a stone. You'll never see, you know, somebody's name is like, had a cool car. That's never there. Big house. That's never there. So cute. Never there. So thin, great shape. That's never there. If it is, that's pretty shallow. What do you typically see on a tombstone? Loving husband, loving wife, loving father, dear friend, right? Things you did for somebody else. Jorik, can I remind us this morning that although most of us chase selfish things, the things we're going to be remembered for are the things you do for somebody else. That's why I'm very excited about your legacy offering and how it will be used, not just for here, but to be a blessing. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of things that are worth pouring ourselves into. So as you think about your legacy, as I think about mine, the one key question to think about that really helps us to see what it is, is this question. What are you giving yourself to? What are you giving yourself to? There are a lot of worthy causes in the world. Some people want to save the whales. That's cool. Save the dolphins. That's nice. Save the three-eyed cricket. That's cool, too. Save the trees. You see folks, right, some young people that are pretty radical. They'll, like, chain themselves up to a tree so they won't cut it down. That's pretty radical. But, hey, that's a good cause. When I save the trees, that's cool. It's good to give yourselves to causes bigger than yourself. Uh, Monday, my wife and I went to this gala, this gala in, in La Jolla about uh, this organization that, that helps save women and young boys from human trafficking. And, and we contributed to that because that's a great, that's a good cause. Uh, and, and you're right, San Diego is a hub for that. Uh, and right across the border is worse. And, and so they had this great presentation. They touched our heart and we gave to it. It's a good cause. There's a lot of great causes. And, and, and you know, being boys, girls club, the veterans causes, there's a lot of great causes. It's good. I encourage you to find things to give yourself to. But can I remind you this morning that there is no greater cause you can give your life to than the cause of Christ and saving people and bringing them to the gospel. There is no greater cause. There's no greater way to live your life, to give of yourself than the cause of Christ. You say, well, pastor, how exactly do I do that? I'm glad you asked. Here's what the Bible says. James 4. So give yourselves, what's the next word? What's a word? Give yourselves completely. Not a fraction, not a percentage, not a decimal, not your spare change. Give yourself completely to God. Give yourself completely to God. How, how exactly do I do that? That's hard to do. Gives us a good explanation. Verse 8 says, come near to God, and God will come near to you. In other words, you might say, okay, I'm here. God's way over there. I'm far from God. 
But here's what, here's what James is telling us. Come near to God, he comes near to you. In other words, you take a step towards God, he takes a step towards you. And before you know it, the distance gets cut in half. In other words, you're, you're not as far from God as you think you are. And, and can I just remind all of us, at some point, we all get far from God. Because we're human, we mess up, we do dumb things. All of us, at some point, create a gap between us and God. But whenever you're far from God, just remember, take a step towards God, he takes a step towards you. That's step one. Number two, and, and I, I love how, how James is just like, bam. And he says, you sinners. Now, mind you, he's talking to church people. All, all, all the sinners say amen. One more time. All the sinners say amen. amen. If you didn't say you just sinned because you lied. Uh, <laughs> for all have sinned. Right? And we all fall short of God's standard. Can I tell this morning, Pastor Sam falls short of God's standard? Pastor Josh, all the pastors, we all fall short. Never idolize a man. Never think anybody's holier. That, that's a problem. That, that's why a lot of people don't like Christians. Because we, we, we Christians sometimes like to judge people. I tell our church, you know, it's like, <laughs> have you ever failed a test? Did you ever fail a test in school? Like ever? Hopefully not too much. But here's how I see that. That's what this verse means to me. It's like we all take this holiness test, right? The whole church took a holiness test. And we all failed. And maybe I got a 22%. I mean, that's pretty bad on a test. I got a 22%. And Pastor Joe, because he's less holy than me. <laughs> Pastor Joe only got a 17% on his test. And I'm like, ha, ah, got you. I'm 22, baby. <laughs> uh, I can, you got a 17, man. You, you need Jesus. I'm 22. How dumb would that be? I'm judging you because you're only 17 while I'm 22. For all have failed. So whenever a Christian judges, you just tell them, you failed too. I don't care if you got a 49%, you still failed. How many know that if not for the grace of God, none of us would be here? Amen. If not for his love, if not for his grace and for the blood that he shed, the forgiveness of sin, all of us failed. So you sinners, he says, clean out, clean sin out of your life. All the Christians say amen. We got to get good at this. We got to clean sin out of our lives, all of us. Because sin just kind of happens. Anybody with me that sin kind of just comes naturally? Like you don't have to try. Right? You don't have to really like focus. It just happened. Anybody with me? Am I, am, I the only, am I the only human here? I'm preaching to angels this morning. <laughs> it just happens. You know, it, it, it reminds me. It, it's like you can have like really good dental hygiene. Like you can brush your teeth like in the morning, in the evening, sometimes in the middle of the day. But if you go to your, your, your dental cleaning like every three or six months, how many of they always still find something? It's like I've been brushing every day, even Wednesdays. You know, I've been doing morning and night, and even though I brush all the time, every time I go to the dentist, they still find something to pick at. 
Like, oh, you got a little buildup here, a little buildup there. You're bleeding. You're like, I brush my teeth. Be because it just kind of gets stuck and, and, and sins kind of like that. I remember when I was younger, I went to the dentist and, and I, I didn't particularly care about flossing. It's just cumbersome and hurts. And so while she's doing a cleaning, and I, I asked the dentist, I said, you know, do I really need to floss? You know, question a dumb teenager asked, right? Do I really need? She was like, and she was just working. She didn't lose her stretch, just working. She's like, no. She goes, just, just, just floss the teeth. Just floss the teeth you want to keep. <laughs> well, I kind of want to keep all of them. <laughs> She's like, well, then, man, then just, you don't have to. Just, if you want to keep them, you should floss them. And that stuck with me. Because uh, we want to keep them, right, as, as many as we can. <laughs> Cleaning out the sin of our lives is kind of like that. It just accumulates. Even Pastor Sam sins. Um, just human, you know. Two weeks ago, we were at this event. And this lady walked into a glass door. Like face first. Bam! Face planted hard. And I wish I could tell you that I, I went over and said, are you okay? Or prayed for her. Nah, I just laughed. Don't judge me, 22. <laughs> Looking at me all weird. Anybody, do, anybody ever do stuff like that? See, that's the bad side, right? It's just, like, you're human. It's like, it was funny. <laughs> I should have, like, run over. Oh, my God, are you okay? Or let me pray. I'm going to lay hands on you right now for that nose. That's <laughs> so, so you got to clean that stuff out. You got to clean, turn to the person next to you, tell them, clean stuff out. Oh, some of you enjoyed saying that, huh? Because all of that contributes to our legacy. All of it does. And, and let me finish with this. John 15, 16, these are the words of Jesus. Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you. Anybody glad that God chose you? I'm not sure I would choose myself after laughing at that lady. But can I just remind every one of you here this morning, you're not here by accident. You're not crashing the party. You didn't sneak in through some side door. God, God chose you. Because God sees us at our best. Anybody glad he sees you at your best and at your worst? The enemy would want you to think that you'll be defined by your worst moment or your worst choice. But God is a God of breakthroughs. God is a God of victory. And that's how God sees us or the potential that we have. So he says, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you may go and produce fruit. Fruit that will last. There's a legacy piece. That you will produce fruit and fruit that will last. So I want to ask you as I come to a close this morning. Right here, right now, what is your legacy? What will it be? If this was the end of the road, how would we be remembered? 
what's the impact that we've had. And can I just tell you how blessed you are to be at a church at seven months old where you can really have an impact. Where you can really have and be part of a powerful legacy. You are in a church where you can really make a difference. You're in a church that will not hold against you the mistakes of your past and that will not throw you out because you've messed up. Something about the legacy of Lighthouse Church is that we give people a chance because God gives people a chance. If someone that really messed up feels compelled to come to one of our services, can we agree that's not the devil that invited him to church, that's God? And if God invited him to church, who am I to tell him not to come? Who am I not to welcome them? Who am I not to love on them? So that's what makes this church special. The ability to welcome and receive and embrace and love people that are hurting, people that are broken. There are thousands of people around here that don't know Jesus. But there's probably as many thousands that have been hurt by church people. Who's ministering to them? Who's reaching out to them? Who's inviting them back? Who's letting them know, hey, hey, it's not too over, it's not, it's not too late. Come. There's a chance. God's a God of forgiveness. The legacy of this church is powerful. We exist so that people far from God can fulfill their potential in Christ. You know that. You know the four principles. To know God. To find freedom. To discover your gifts and talents. To have an impact and make a difference. That's a good legacy. I want to encourage you this morning to just, matter of fact, just every eye closed, every head bowed, just head bowed, eye closed. I want you to just, can you just, can you just stop for a second and think about legacy? What are we doing? Am I doing enough? What else could I do? Am, am I living too selfishly? Am I too self-centered? Am I too self-focused? Am I doing enough for the kingdom of God? Am I doing enough to love others? Am I doing enough to make a difference and leave this world better than I found it? Am I participating enough? Am I giving of myself enough? Am I involved enough in this church? Is there something else I could do? Is there someone else I can involve or include or invite? All these things shape our legacy. And again, of all the causes you could give yourself to, there is no greater cause, no cause more worthy, no cause more powerful, no cause more worthwhile than to truly give yourself completely to God. Doesn't matter what your legacy has been up to this point. Just like Alfred Nobel, at some point you just got to stop and say, wait a minute, if I don't like how this is shaping up, I'm going to do something about it. I will not allow myself to be remembered by my worst mistake or my biggest failure. I want to be known for my breakthrough. I want to be known for my victory. I want to be known for my ministry. I want to be known for the impact I've had on this world. Church, this is what legacy is about. So as we all stand to our feet, uh, I, I just I want to ask you two questions. Question number one is what is God talking to you about right now? What is God bringing to your mind through his Holy Spirit? What is God pointing out? What is God 
doing right now because God speaks to all of our hearts. So number one is what is God talking to you about? What is God telling you? What is God bringing to your mind? Question number one. Question number two is what are you going to do about it? I want us to do something about it today. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.